Hey tennis fans and welcome to another edition of Matchpoint Canada. I'm Ben Lewis joined alongside Mike McIntyre and uh, this week we're very happy to be joined by the coach of Bianca Andreescu who has helped lead her to premier titles at Indian Wells and Rogers Cup and of course her U.S. Open title all in uh, 2019. Uh, please welcome Sylvain Bruno to the podcast. Uh, Sylvain, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure guys. Sylvain, we've got tons of questions for you today, and of course, many of them relate to your uh, star pupil, Bianca Andreescu. But just to start with yourself, of course, 2020 has been such a difficult year for everybody. How has it been for you as a, a tennis coach, especially one whose player has not been actively uh, playing to get through this these past few months? Well, very challenging, because at the beginning of the year, we went to Europe, uh, Spain, and uh, Monaco, because she was getting better with their injury. She missed the Australian Open. And then we thought we were going to be ready to go for either Indian Wells or Miami. So we're pretty excited. And then, um, well, we know what happened with COVID-19. Everything was canceled. And it's, uh, we trained in the summer. An injury reappeared. And, you know, basically she missed the entire year. So it's been very, very difficult. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I think... Uh... For a lot of Bianca's fans, uh, they're just wondering, I guess, about her health moving forward. Obviously, it is a concern when you miss a full season of tennis and you aren't able to play. Can you just maybe let us know how she's doing physically right now? And uh, are you guys still, you know, on track for the beginning of 2021? Yeah, I mean, so she, um, she started it actually like six weeks ago and very light. Uh, but she's been building up, building up with the physical side of it as well and she's doing really good right now we're scheduled to meet in dubai in a week uh to do more training there more preparation and eat something similar to australia uh and keep working hard and then she um she's planning to play australia that's on our schedule and uh, we would leave to go to australia on like december 12 or something because of this year we need to be there like two weeks prior because of the again covid 19 requirement so that makes that makes it a long trip so um so after a summer of you know i would say inactivity mostly fitness but not so so much tennis uh now she's back on the court and everything is looking really sharp i know her fans were concerned obviously last year around this time when she suffered that knee injury at the tour finals and and then it sounded like it was a, an ankle or a foot issue that uh, came up during training with you guys she's so young and yet it already unfortunately has been dealing with with so many injury concerns even going back to when she was a junior it seems like is there concern in the camp moving forward or do you feel like hey she's 100 percent? it's been some bad luck and hopefully it's going to be just fine going ahead from here i believe so i'm very po positive i'm very optimistic that we're gonna get this uh sorted out and move in a different mode uh but yes she's had quite a few injuries over the last couple of years, and some came back. I think more recently, uh, 2019 especially, uh, I think her, uh, her rise was so fast and playing so many matches at such a high intensity. I am not sure her fitness, but it was totally, totally prepared to take the toll of the, those, uh, those matches, the number and the quality and the intensity of it. So that's sort of like our experience for us mostly and um, 
she's doing everything she needs to do. She has a great team around her of fitness people and physios and health people. And she's extremely professional. She follows the T, every recommendation, everything that's asked of her. So um, I'm optimistic that, you know, we're going to put this uh, behind us and move forward. And that's not going to be our story uh, in the future. Certainly uh, happy to hear the, the optimism uh, from your side. I'm just curious, I guess, from your standpoint as a coach right now, you talked about the fitness, of course. What, what elements of Bianca's game maybe are, are you most focused on right now in, in getting her ready for match play again next year? Yeah. So basically, she's been training, but I've been in Montreal because I have family, so I didn't want to leave for four months or something mm -hmm. like that. So I prepared every, every practice, uh, put everything down, and actually the fitness person was putting them in, you know, with her and, and going on court with her with some hitters there. Uh, the objective with her, like, I actually felt like she, she has a really um, versatile game. She can do a lot of things on the court. Everybody's aware of that. I felt her serve uh, could be improved, especially her first serve, uh, make it more a little bit of a weapon. So that was one area that we wanted to really address. And I think she creates so many opportunities to come to the net, a lot of them with her big forehand and uh, all of it. So, and I'd like to see her take the ball in the air a little bit more, come to net a little bit more when she's got uh, her opponents in the rope in trouble and finish the point a little bit faster. So those are the two main things we wanted to, um, to work on and keep improving. But saying that, even with, you know, all the results she had and her really high level and, and all that, she just turned 20. So it's, understood that she's going to keep improving. That's, that's the plan, every area of her, of her game. Sylvain, what's it been like for you as a coach having your, your athlete, your, your pupil, your student, not being able to compete for a year? How do you handle those challenges, you know, mentally speaking? And, and what other things were you able to get involved with this year that you wouldn't have if you had been on the tour full-time with her? Well, it's, it's for sure this is not easy uh, for anybody. Uh, but if I'm trying to be more specific with Bianca, she's one of those uh, girls that love to compete. I mean, she loves to train. I just said she's very professional. She does everything she needs to do. But she, she rises to the occasion when it's time to compete, and that's what she's training for. Um, so to, um, to be deprived of it for such a long time uh, is not easy. But saying that, she's, she, she has really high standards. She has um, high objectives for the future. So she's really, really good at reset herself. And she knows that the best is yet to come. She's accomplished a lot, but she wants to accomplish a lot more. So she's still extremely motivated. And she was able to just reset, control what she can control, and say, listen, uh, this is what 2020 will be. And I'll focus on, on training and get stronger physically, you know, fix other objectives and go after those instead and try to come back in 2021 uh, a better player than I was before. So this is the approach we took to try to keep her on her toes and motivated. And for me, while I spend a lot of time helping the younger players, we had the dissenter here. So it's been totally different than being with Bianca full time. Uh, but it gave me time with my family more than usual, which was, you know, welcome. And that's the good side of it. 
and um, but now I'm ready to go. I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy to watch the U.S. Open, especially, or even the French Open, and and not be there and be sidelined and and thinking like I would have liked Bianca to be there and see what she can do and defend her title and all that. So that's. But I think, you know, you try to get stronger out of it, I guess. Yeah, I, I certainly think probably 2020 as a year for a lot of people might be sort of seen as a write-off and uh, want to want to forget about it and, and move on. You mentioned, of course, uh, Bianca being the competitor that she is. I think anybody who's watched her play knows her desire to compete and be on the tennis court. Um, you know, not being with her sort of full-time, how often are you in contact with her and uh, how do you kind of maintain that upbeat, positive focus for her knowing that uh, she has been off the court for so long? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the words we use all the time is adapt. So, I mean, we have, I mean, before this year, that was one of our keywords. And, you know, it's one that came pretty handy for 2020. Um, I do talk to her a lot. We use FaceTime technology these days. It's very helpful. It's not the same as being always with her. Um, but we talk, we text, we do videos, that sort of things, quite a, few, quite a lot together. I speak with the other people on the team. If I was not with her right now uh, in Monaco, uh, Virginie Tremblay was for basically seven weeks. So I was in close communication with Virginie basically every day, see how things were going with practice and fitness and so on. Um, so that's how we, you know, that's how we went about it because I've not seen Bianca since June. So like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be nice in a week to uh, get together and, you know, go back on the court and do what we want to do, love to do. Sylvain, how much tennis have you been watching uh, during this time? U.S. Open, French Open, as you mentioned, happened and you wish you could be there. Do you keep a close eye on the results and what results or what players on the women's tour have particularly impressed you since tennis has come back with the way that they've resumed uh, their tennis seasons? Yeah, well, no, I do watch. I mean, uh, I said I find it difficult initially because for the reasons that I've mentioned not being there, Bianca not competing, but I do watch because I think it's important for me as a coach to know what the other players are still doing and what they're about and watch their game evolve and that sort of things. And I always like to watch the men's tennis also because I take a lot of it to help Bianca. Um, it's just something I've been doing. But uh, definitely, um, we saw that Osaka played well at the U.S. Open. Uh, she had like a bit of a tougher period at some point, but she bounced back and had a, some really, really uh, good tennis there. And then obviously at the French Open, I guess, Swiatek was kind of a, a bit of a breakthrough. We knew she was coming. We knew she was promising and talented. But, you know, to come in the tournament and win seven matches, winning uh, and full of games every single match was quite an accomplishment. So uh, I would say, like everybody else, I, I took notice of what she's doing. Just like people took notice of Bianca a year ago. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and I think, you know, they've never played. I, I think they've played in doubles in the juniors. That doesn't count. But they've never played a single match in the pro. But I think that's going to be, you know, hopefully a, a nice rivalry for the years to come. Yeah, that would uh, certainly be great to see. Um, I, I don't know if uh, you watching uh, men's and women's tennis amounts to scouting any of the other players on tour, but, but are you ever watching and thinking maybe there's an aspect of this player's game or, or a shot or a particular style that you like to try and incorporate for Bianca maybe? 
Yes, definitely. And we did that, I mean, from the very beginning. I started to work with her in 2018, in the spring of 2018, personally. And we did that from the very beginning. But we, we've been mostly looking at men's tennis uh, in that regard, not the women's. Not that there's nothing to... We look at the women's to see how to play them and how to adapt tactics against them. But we look at men's more like, okay, this is what you need to take from Andy Murray or this is what you could take from Djokovic and, and look at those things. And that gets her really going. She loves that. And we've tried to make her game style a little bit different. Uh, I mean, full respect to the women's players, but a lot of them play at a really high level. But, you know, a lot of them like to have rhythm and hit really early and deep and hard and uh, and. So we look more at men's tennis because they play a little bit different. And I think Janka, her game developed to be a little bit different too. And she stands out a little bit on the women's tour. So we do that. We did that. And we keep doing that. And um, I think that's been one of the recipe for success. That's been really helpful. Very, very much. Yeah. Even without Bianca on the tour this year, uh, there were some positive moments for Canadian women's tennis with the emergence of Leila Annie Fernandez, uh, Jeannie Bouchard having a nice uh, sort of comeback season, and Gabby Dabrowski, of course, always so strong in doubles. How do you feel when you look at the Canadian group overall in terms of our depth and our talent level for international competition like the Olympics or the Billie Jean King Cup now, um, with Bianca included as well when she's healthy? It was a great year. I mean, it was not a great year for tennis in general, but if you look at what the girls did and what the boys did as well at U.S. Open, I mean, that was pretty spectacular to have the three guys in a round of 16. And then you had um, the girls doing well at the French Open, both Leila and Jeannie actually doing super well. And Jeannie did well in other tournaments. Uh, I do feel that with a healthy team, um, uh, Fed Cup, now Billie Jean King Cup, uh, with Bianca... Uh, Layla, Eugenie, Gabby, the younger ones coming. We have a really good team that can do a lot of damage. So I think ID is going to have fun with them for a couple of years because it's a pretty young team. And um, yeah, to see Jeannie playing top tennis, being in such good shape this year and getting back uh, with winning was super exciting to see uh, Layla as well, who was like winning the French Open junior last year and come come back this year she's in the main draw that's a nice nice rise and then reach the third round you know she's done phenomenal so i think it's good because on the men's and on the women's side good things are happening and for every tennis fan in the nation i mean they've got a lot of things watching it makes it interesting it makes it fun i think it's good for the game and for the up and Coming younger players, I think it's good to have role models. I think it's great to look at Nadal or Federer, whoever that is, and or Sofia Kenney or someone else on the women's tour. But I think there's nothing that can replace having like Canadians, you know. And I think it's important for them to know, like, oh, you know, Dennis did that, and Felix, and and they're Canadians, and they started in a club, and they train here, and that sort of thing. And now there's so many examples of them. So I think it's good for. Uh, tennis in Canada for the sport and because you know that's what we want I'm a tennis fan too like I'm uh, you know and I want you know I want players to pick up a racket and younger players to be interested by the sport and that sort of thing and I think this is all happening 
Well, same here for me as well, and, and for Ben fans first and foremost. And, and I remember when I was a kid, it was players from other countries that we looked to because there wasn't anyone in Canada that really stood out, unfortunately, at that highest level. And now for me, I've got three kids and, and they want to be Dennis or Felix or Bianca. And to hear that, I'm sure it's the same with you and your kids and the, the kids you coach. It's, uh, it's really something special for us. Exactly, exactly, absolutely. And that's, I mean, it's developed that culture, a little bit, that belief, that culture, uh, open the route for the younger players, that sort of things. And I think more and more players are watching tennis on TV. You know, the ratings are good and, uh, you know, wanted to go to the tournaments and, and just getting interested with the sport. And I think that's, you know, uh, right now it's mission accomplished for, for that. Uh, Sylvain, just before we l let you go, I just want to kind of clarify. So the, the off-season plans, I think you mentioned uh, that you were going to head to Dubai. And then uh, what is the type of training I guess you'll be focusing on with Bianca before uh, you get set for 2021 uh, competition? Well, we're going to, you know, a couple more things to work on. And, you know, just making sure our game is exactly where we want to be. Uh, Dubai, the weather is perfect. I mean, it's a little bit drier than Australia, but it's really warm. So we want her to get adjusted with that. And actually, a lot of European players uh, go to Dubai to prepare Australia. And it's going to be important at some point in our preparation that she starts playing quite a few practice sets because that's been missing. That's not happened all year. So we want to make sure we're going to load on this smartly, but will. And there's a lot of other players there. So that's one of the benefits. And then, as I said, the way we're not sure what Australia is going to work, but they said we're going to go to like a resort or a place where there's courts and you do a quarantine there, but you can train. You've got access to courts and gym and pursue there that preparation so that you would be hopefully ready. That's the plan to play the very first tournament starting January 3rd or something like that uh, as a preparation tournament before the Australian Open, which is like two full weeks later. Well, thank you, Sylvain, for, for walking us through what's been going on this year, this, this challenging year on so many levels. And we wish you all the best in 2021 with, with Bianca. We'll be speaking with Virginie Tremblay also on this podcast for a, a special look at what you guys have planned for the new year. And tell Bianca, her favorite podcaster, say hello. And we're looking forward to speaking to her too sometime soon. We'll do for sure. Thank you, guys. There you have it, Mike, our interview with Coach Bianca Andrescu, Sylvain Bruno, and uh, looks like we're totally on track, basically, for Bianca to, to gear up and play at the Australian Open uh, and play in Australia, presuming um, that everything goes to plan with, uh, with both tours and, and that we do have tennis on schedule for 2021. Yeah, it was interesting to hear from Sylvain. I mean, the, the positivity was, was fantastic to finally hear some, some positivity out of the camp. And, I mean, the camp was pretty quiet, and so was Bianca for the longest time dealing with things. And I can imagine the frustration of those injury setbacks on top of just dealing with COVID and, and whatnot. So uh, it's, it's nice to hear some, some news coming out of the camp. And, and that was a pretty lengthy, in-depth interview, and Sylvain didn't really hold back. And, um, you know, it's interesting. He was saying that they were hoping to leave December 12th for uh, Australia. And in the few days since we've talked to him, I believe Australia has new rules now that they're not letting anybody in until January. So that's going to make not just for Bianca, but for, you know, all tennis players, a big change of plans as the new year approaches. They're going to get there with not very much time to prepare to the specific courts in Australia um, for hopefully whatever the lead up and, and Australian Open turns out to look like. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gathering that the Australian Open, it's going to operate a little bit like we saw at Flushing Meadows in New York, where, you know, we had the Cincinnati Open, Western and Southern Open played inside the one bubble for New York City and then lead into the U.S. Open. We don't, for the men's side, have a Masters 1000 leading into the Australian Open. There's no major event either for the women's side, but a lot of the players like that tune-up event in Brisbane. We saw the ATP Cup um, last year. I don't know the logistics of if that can happen, but uh, it sounds like it'll be important for players to get in at least a couple of tournaments ahead of the Australian Open uh, on both tours, so, so everybody's ready. I'm just so pumped now after, after speaking with him, too, yeah. about Bianca back on the court and, uh, and that she's healthy and ready to go. And it was interesting to note the things that, that they're trying to improve as a team, and in particular, Sylvain mentioned, improving her first serve to make that more of a weapon for mm-hmm. her and uh, also looking at her to come into the net a little bit more often to finish the points off a little bit quicker. So it'll be interesting to see what changes uh, since the last time we saw Bianca play, which remarkably has now been over over a year since we've seen her in action. Yeah, it certainly feels like ages. Um, Sylvain did acknowledge that it seemed like they were gearing up. They would have been ready to play the Miami Open had COVID not hit. And then, of course, um, the injury setback while they were training to, to the lower body looked like the foot, but uh, they're back on track. And as he said, the key right now, I think for her leading up to the Australian Open is, is match play. So they're probably going to have a lot of practice sets uh, in their training down in Dubai, just, just getting her mentally and physically prepared for matches again. Because as you said, I mean, she hasn't played a competitive match in over a year. Yeah, and to come back to playing some, you know, she had some three-set matches that we saw at the Rogers Cup and, and U.S. Open Many. that were pretty grueling affairs, mm-hmm. and uh, somehow she managed to, to end up on the winning side in, in all of those cases in those two tournaments. And so, yeah, to prepare your body to come back and do that. Um, I mean, the last layoff that she came back from, which was from the French Open after she won her first-round match there, uh, all the way to the Rogers Cup, I mean, that felt at the time like it was a huge layoff. And for her to come back and play as well as she did was – absolutely remarkable and and this is double that if not more of a layoff which is going to be that much tougher so uh, certainly going to be challenging but if there's anyone who's up for it it's uh, it's Bianca Andreescu and she's she's proved that before so um, even if she comes out of the gate and it takes a little bit of time I think uh, we'll see her back to playing some pretty phenomenal tennis soon enough and and it was great to have Sylvain on and hear from him and get some perspective and and then we're also super fortunate because not only do we have her coach on the, the podcast this week but we kind of have a double dose of behind-the-scenes news on Bianca as we speak, also with Virginie Tremblay, her uh, trainer, who's been working with her closely for the past couple of years. And, uh, and, and another angle and another aspect to look at, you know, we got the X's and O's sort of from Sylvain, and then we're going to hear about, uh, you know, specifically how they manage those ups and downs during, during 2020 and, uh, and, and what to do to sort of um, get back and, and hit the ground running with some positivity and shake off the uh, the unfortunate injuries that Bianca dealt with last year. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And uh, Virginie Tremblay is now back in Montreal, so it's kind of Sylvain taking the reins from here, working closely with Bianca. But uh, without further ado, uh, here's our interview as well with uh, Virginie Tremblay. Right now, we're pleased to be joined by someone who's had uh, a really important role behind the scenes at Tennis Canada and who's played a vital role in Bianca Andreescu's development as a professional athlete, Virginie Tremblay. Uh, merci pour nous joindre sur Matchpoint Canada. Ça me fait plaisir. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. So nice to meet you. 
Yeah, nice to meet you as well. And thanks so much for joining us. Um, Virginie, obviously, 2020 has been such a crazy year for so many reasons, um, not just the pandemic. And unfortunately, uh, the star player Bianca Andreescu has not been healthy enough uh, to play when, when tennis did come back. How challenging has it been uh, for you, I guess, just sort of waiting on the sidelines and, and not knowing when you'll get started again? Yeah, it's always it's obviously been a difficult year for everybody. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, Bianca has been having a few uh, little injuries. So it was very important for the team to really take the time to uh, to do everything needed to get her ready and to actually, first of all, uh, get her healthy. This was our main priority. Uh, so we have a really good team, a medical team uh, with us working closely 24 seven. Uh, so this uh, definitely helps. Um, but yeah, we've been, uh, even though she hasn't played uh, tournaments and matches, uh, we've been on the physical aspect, uh, we've been working really hard on, uh, you know, improving everything uh, we had to, to, to improve, continue uh, working on all her strengths. And uh, but yeah, obviously we had a lot of time, so there was no rush in uh, you know doing everything very fast. So it was like uh, you know usually we have a short a few weeks for the off season, so we kind of took it as a very long off season. Um, so yeah, so but it's it's not easy because uh, every time uh, we hear oh maybe we we can start a few tournaments here and then no you have to uh, you have to wait. So yeah, it's uh, it's difficult to uh, to plan ahead. So what's going to be the the preparation? So how many weeks do we have before the next tournament? We don't know. So how do we uh, how do we calculate and how do we modulate uh, the workload and the the preparation is is that is for for me as a fitness coach and for all the team it's uh, it's definitely it's been a, a challenge. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, it's a day to day uh, thing, but the main uh, the main focus is really to keep her uh, healthy and to continue uh, working hard. Keeping her healthy was obviously a challenge in 2020. Unfortunately, can you take us through a few of the key moments of the season? Maybe from the start of the year when it was the knee injury that was trying to be rehabbed, to the start of quarantine, and then the unfortunate second injury that was sustained in training. What, what role did you play with her during those different moments of her season? Um, well, at the beginning, of, during the beginning of end of 2019 and beginning of 2020, I, uh, it was my colleague that was with her. So I, I wasn't directly with her, but obviously I was always up to date and because we're two fitness coaches working with her, obviously. So I was, I was always, uh, up to date. Um, but yeah, it was, I think, uh, it was a difficult time for, uh, for everybody. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, uh, for her to go through, uh, all of these injuries at a very young age, but, uh, like I said, uh, she was being followed by very, very good, uh, medical team and um, so I was with her in um, February when we uh, were in Barcelona so right after uh, Fed Cup and uh, so yeah so we were actually preparing her for for Indian Wells and everything was actually you know getting better but 
not 100%, but uh, my role was really to focus on uh, her strength because uh, the physios and the doctors were really focusing on uh, specific things. But for me, uh, it didn't stop me from, from doing everything else uh, that, um, uh, that we could do. So, so at the beginning of the year, we were doing a lot of, of uh, aerobic um, work, a lot of strength for upper body, a lot of core. So um, obviously the knee was what was the issue. So movements on court were a bit difficult, but uh, my, my, my goal was really to keep the rest of the body uh, strong and fit. Um, obviously COVID happened and <laughs> we had to, uh, it was a big step back for everybody. Um, so we had to stay home and it's, it's very difficult to send cause so, so we were sending, uh, Bianca fitness program at home. So it's difficult. Uh, you do, uh, video calls, texting, you call, you send programs. It's, uh, but it's obviously it's, it's, it's not the best way to, uh, to train someone. So, um, so yeah, but towards, uh, the summer, um, so we were finally able to work together. Uh, so she was feeling much, much, much better body, uh, healthier. Uh, I think that uh, COVID really helped her, uh, to really take the time to, 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 to do a little step back and just reset and relax and I think that a lot of uh, players really took that time to as a little vacation or uh, but sometimes mentally and physically it's really it's good and it's healthy to just take a step back and uh, just enjoy not doing anything so when we started back in May uh, June um, it was much better I really saw a complete difference her knee was was perfect no pain um, uh, so yeah, but on during summer, yeah, little uh, little injuries here and there uh, on the lower body um, gave us another step back. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, she was not able to compete um, for for U.S. Open because obviously, when we started uh, back in May and June, that was uh, our our objective. It was U.S. Open. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so once again, we took the time and, uh, during the summer to actually not during the summer, she really did not do anything. So it was, um, another unfortunate time and difficult period for her, but I would say that after that, so, uh, when did we start back again? It was the uh, beginning of fall. So in September, um, she was, uh, back in Europe now and she was, definitely ready to uh, after a long period of uh, wait and uh, stop she was definitely physically and mentally ready to, to start so uh, at the end of uh, September I um, joined her in Europe and uh, so she was we were like starting a fresh new uh, fitness period because it was she had taken a few weeks even a few months completely off of tennis and fitness so, um, so we were in uh, Europe and it was first time for her playing tennis again and doing fitness again. So it was, um, it was once again challenging because, you know, she's used to, you know, being at such a high level and tra training hard. And it was difficult to tell her, you know what, the first few weeks are going to be a bit 
boring and very very slow but uh, you cannot go from from zero to 100 in in uh, only a couple of days so um, for that first training block of uh, eight seven to eight weeks um, yeah so we we were both in um, in uh, Monaco and so no we did um, like a really good block of training together and um and yeah so she's feeling much better right now and uh our goal once again is to uh to to get her uh, ready for australia i'm exhausted just listening to that recap of all the ups and downs <laughs> and it was a and very starts. challenging year yeah yeah no doubt I, I certainly want to, yeah, fast, fast forward to today now, as you mentioned, I mean, and we saw a video actually of, of her hitting some tennis balls in Monaco and uh, for us, and I think a lot of uh, Canadian tennis fans, that was our first glimpse again of uh, Bianca back on court, basically since uh, going back to Fed Cup, where we saw her training a bit in, in February. Um, so the goal now is to get her healthy and ready for, for Australia um, just uh, for you as a, as a fitness coach, where do you assess where she is at physically and uh, do you think she will be ready to go? Well, obviously, uh, yeah. I, I think that she will be ready. Um, this, is, uh, this is my priority. And um, yeah, I feel that right now, like we've done the first, uh, the first eight weeks, um, there's still a long way, long way to go. We still have a few more weeks. So, um, so yeah, so we've been, um, obviously working everything, you know, we are, our goal, uh, with the team is really to have for her a very strong base. So to, uh, in order to build up and for her to be, uh, ready, not only to play one match, but to play two match and three matches and to to accumulate uh the load the intensity the 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 tournaments uh, one day after the other so this is our goal right now um we're not there yet uh but we've def definitely done uh a very good step forward in the past uh, few weeks really working a little bit more general stuff because we had to um but uh, definitely seeing her back on the court not only for me i was so happy to see her but i remember the first time the first day uh she went back on the court she felt she said oh my god i feel so good and this is what tennis should be every day and uh, i think that she really missed it and physically uh, mentally for her it was time uh to go back on court and uh, and uh, in my opinion she hasn't really lost anything and this is how how much of a like talented player she is she can be off for i don't know how many months and she gets back on court and it's as if she had never stopped so it was very um satisfying for her uh to see uh, that she was you know still hitting the ball well but obviously it's uh when she starting moving more hitting stronger harder and yeah obviously uh it's a uh, more more challenging but it's it's a day-to-day -day work and the, my goal is really to bring her uh physically stronger uh more powerful faster um and uh yeah and just ready to uh to, to to compete and mentally it's it's gonna be a great uh a, a 
great opportunity for her. But um, yeah, we're not we're not there yet, but we've mm -hmm. done great uh, first start and now we're starting the second uh, part that is going to be a little bit more uh, tennis oriented a little bit more focused on uh, specific uh, things because this is definitely where she's at right now yeah we spoke with Sylvain yesterday he'll be a part of this episode as well and he mentioned that now it's time to get some practice sets under her belt and and emulate uh, game situations um, it's odd from an outsider's perspective to me because Bianca's always appeared to be so strong and so fit and, uh, and such a strong player on the court. All of these injuries, is it, is it just bad luck or is there something from a training perspective that you've had to make adjustments to to help her find a more consistent level of, of staying healthy? That's a very tough question to answer. <laughs> We've been asking ourselves uh, many times, why, why is she injured like this, you know? And uh, even her, she's always uh, asking us, why am I injured? Like, why is this happening? And uh, yeah, like she has a very, very strong body. And, uh, but uh, there, there, there are certain aspects of her body that uh, may lead to uh, being a little bit more prone to certain type of injuries. And this is why with the help of the physio, the doctor, we are really working on uh, these little weaknesses uh, to make sure that in the future, uh, we don't we don't have to go through all of these uh, injuries, but I would say that um, in last year when uh, she really in 2019 she had her uh, breakthrough moment. Um, I think that unfortunately. Uh, Physically, her body was was strong and fit, but maybe not strong enough uh, to to handle all the matches and all the intensity and the strength and the power in uh, in all of the matches and to accumulate, like I said, all the matches and the tournaments back to back. Um, it's it's a it's a, it's important to to remember the transition between between the junior and the pro. Uh, so. I think that maybe that transition for her was very, very uh, short. Uh, so it wasn't that long ago, was it really? No, no absolutely. <laughs> so, so it didn't, so we didn't, I feel we didn't really have a, uh, like a, enough time uh, to adjust to this transition. So I feel that now knowing all that we know, uh, we are more prepared and we are well, uh, like better equipped uh, to handle these, uh, these, these situation and uh, to do a better, for example, return to play and to do a better management in terms of uh, load and intensity, not only in fitness, but in tennis. Um, you know, choosing appropriately and accordingly which tournaments. And uh, I, in my opinion, the most important thing is the rest. When do we put the rest? Because rest, I always say rest is part of the, the fitness. You need to give the time and you, you need to give the body time to rest and to, um, uh, to have the uh, adaptation period from, from everything that we've accumulated um in order to to be better for for the next tournaments matches and the next training block so so yeah i feel that we are we are better equipped now we have a very strong team uh around the bianca and 
yeah, we all we obviously hope for the best. Yeah, that's uh, if if you could point to I suppose any downfall of 2019 was uh, Bianca kept winning and winning, which obviously meant uh, <laughs> many more many more hours on court, and uh, you couldn't have predicted so many matches in uh, in one calendar year, which is obviously something her body had never sustained uh, before. But uh, you know, it's you a good find... and a bad thing. She was right. winning, but unfortunately, uh, the the downside is. We didn't really expect all of this, and uh, unfortunately, yeah, I think that her body was um, maybe not ready for that. Yeah, as as you pointed out, though, she she is such a talent that we even saw in 2019. She had that break off and comes back and win, wins uh, Rogers Cup and then uh, wins the U.S. Open. Um, I, I'm just curious for you, when when did you first uh, begin the partnership working with Bianca? And uh, what were your impressions of her then as a, not only a, a professional, not only as a player, but as a person? So um, I started working with her in 2018, but it was really on and off. I, uh, I wasn't in all of the tournaments with her. I really, I think I did three tournaments with her during that year. And obviously I was working at uh, Tennis Canada at the National Training Center and um, it's really at the end of uh, 2018 that we were in Florida with her tennis coach and uh, we really did a very, very good off season together. And, uh, and it's after that off season that they asked me to, uh, to follow her um, for a few tournaments uh, in New Zealand and Australia. And we all know after in 2019. So I started with her in 20, at the end of 2018, but I've known her uh, since 2016. So, um, so I, this is when I started working at Tennis Canada. So she was always coming in and out uh, in Montreal, me, I was going to Toronto. So I was always seeing her. And w when I started to get to know her, everybody was was talking, oh, Bianca, she's going to be the next big thing. And she's so talented. And I was very curious about that player because everybody was talking so highly of her. And uh, obviously, when I first started to see her play, to see her train in the gym uh, at only 16 years old, I was so impressed. I was like, OK, I think we, like, we definitely have a strong athlete and a strong player here. And, um, and yeah, every time I was with her, and I think that everybody that meets Bianca, everybody says the same thing. She's such a sweet and nice person. She's, uh, she's, she's really, really nice to be around. And it's very easy to, to, to be with her, talk to her, and to work with her. And this is one of the a very, very good quality to have. Um, so yeah, so every time, so I think that our connection in 2018, and especially uh, me being with her alone uh, in her, uh, in 2018, 2019, uh, in the, these uh, tournaments really uh, brought us together. We kind of had this bond that, that, that really, uh, yeah, is, is still there. And it really helps in, in our relationship and in, in our work. So, yeah, I would say that we have a very friendly relationship. But at the same time, which is amazing, is that we know when to be very serious and to be very focused. And we kind of switch off. We have this 
this yeah this this amazing relationship but when we are in the gym on the court and everything that is related to her body her fitness and everything we are so um serious and we are both able to do that and we trust each other so and this is very very important we have good communication not only between her and i but amongst the team so this is very important so yeah it's um it's very uh, a good um, a good thing to have uh, in in the team and just in a relationship. It's it's really fun to to every day wake up and work uh, with this athlete. That sounds like my relationship with you, Ben. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> if if I go back to fall of two thousand eighteen, I remember seeing Bianca play in Toronto at the Tevlin Challenger that fall, and she mm. lost in the semifinals. If memory serves me right. And uh, she was in tears afterwards with her coach. I think it was uh, Cyril Solnier at the time. And she was in tears. She was so upset about losing the match. And I spoke to her mom as I was leaving. And I said, what's the plan for the rest of the year? And her mom said, I really hope she shuts it down for the rest of the year. But she's so eager and so hungry. She's already talking about heading down to the States to, I think it was Kentucky or Lexington, to continue to play there. And obviously around that time, you guys started working together closely, as you just mentioned. And wow, she came out of the gates in 2019 and it was something just that we'd never seen before, bringing it to that next level. And I want to give you a lot of credit because I feel like in Auckland in 2019, she wasn't there with a coach. I believe it was just the two of you. If, if, uh, it was if just I, the two of us. Right? Yeah. And there you were sort of filling the role. We watched on TV and we could see you were sort of filling the role of coach. You were there as trainer. You were there as confidant and, and mentor and, and friend as well, as you mentioned. Was that tournament in Auckland where she really started beating some big players like Venus Williams, was that tournament really important for the two of you in terms of strengthening your bond, having mm -hmm. been there for her at her first major success? Obviously. Obviously, this was a moment that uh, both of us, we will remember forever. Um, so, yeah, so that uh, that tournament was, was really one of the best, I would say. Uh, I know that she's had like amazing uh, moments after, but that specific moment, I'm so sorry, that specific moment when she, um, she was really seeing herself uh, compete against all the best players in the world and realizing how much uh she 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 was able to to play at a very high level and to even beat these uh players i think uh it was it was yeah just ju just an unbelievable moment but you were also talking uh just before when uh, she lost before in uh, at the fall of 2018 and that uh, she she right away wanted to go to the next tournaments she really has this 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 ability of resilience and of really uh, she's very competitive and mentally she's so 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 strong so so yeah the like if there's like a tough a tough moment in her life, she's able to really go through that period and really, um, yeah, uh, be super strong and to come out uh, like the the best way possible. So um, mentally, also that tournament really gave her a, I would say gave her wings because it really gave her reassurance. It gave her um, just a positive feedback and, and assurance to say, hey, 
you are now part of the elite. You are part of the best now. Look what you've accomplished. And at that tournament, she had difficulty even just accepting it and realizing it. I remember seeing tears in her eyes and saying, I can't believe I just did what I did. And I said, Bianca, this is your moment. Like right now, this is it. Your life is going to change, but this is where you, you, uh, you were supposed, you were always supposed to be. And this is only the beginning and only nice things and good things are going to happen to you. Obviously, there's been the ups and downs, but I think mainly if we remove the, the, the injuries to the side, everything she's accomplished with not only um, her, her physical strength, her tennis talent, but her, her, men, her mental uh, uh, toughness, this is uh, who she is. So yeah, so that moment really brought us together. And like I said earlier, it, it really created a bond that we will always have. So it's a definitely a good memory that we will always have and um yeah like you said filling all of the shoes of of everybody in a team it's it was very very um uh, difficult and bizarre i because i'm a fitness coach and i in in no case or in any situation i want to take the 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 tennis coach role but I feel that at that moment, my role was not to be her tennis coach, but really to be the fitness coach, helping her to get through uh, these moments. And uh, I think we did good. Her and I. It was special yeah. to watch. I, I remember tweeting at the time, hey, Tennis Canada, give Virginie a bonus. She's doing it all here behind the scenes. <laughs> Well, I mean, we, we are like, I'm passionate about tennis. I'm passionate about my job. And if I wasn't, I wouldn't be where I am right now. And I, I wouldn't uh, be, um, yeah, doing my job and enjoying it every day. So I think uh, when you do your, your job, you have to be passionate. And sometimes I don't even see it as a job. I just see it as me uh, doing my, my passion. And I, not only I, I really, really uh, love working with Bianca, but I also love working uh, with junior players at uh, Tennis Canada. It really brings a lot of variety in my career, and it really, I feel, helps me become a better fitness coach because I have all the different perspective as a pro and as uh, development players. And it's uh, it's also rewarding for me because I'm I'm able to help juniors going where uh to the pro uh, level where they all want to go and with bianca i'm i'm really giving oh i'm always giving the best but with her with pro players it's it's so precise and it's uh it's uh, so specific that uh, i mean i always have to be on my top uh performance and level when i'm with her but it's 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 a it's amazing challenge that i i love to uh, to have every day yeah, yeah, and I can't imagine uh, the reward you, of course, felt in, in Auckland and uh, just seeing how uh, all of 2019 inspired. You hit on a couple key elements that I, I can't wait to to see again when Bianca is back is her not only uh, her, her talent on the court, but uh, as you said, her mental strength and her uh, competitive spirit, I think, uh, is a couple of the elements, at least I miss uh, the most uh, just as a fan of tennis. 
But she's very excited to, to go back. I think she's more than ready to be back uh, competing and to be back in tournaments and to play. I mean, it's her, it's her career, it's her passion, it's her, uh, I mean, she's dreaming about it. So um, obviously, uh, fingers crossed that uh, Australia will happen and that uh, she will be able to compete in very soon in 2021. Uh, but definitely, uh, I'm excited to see her. She's excited to play. And I think we're all very uh, thrilled to, uh, to see her back. And, um, and yeah, she's going to be fit and ready. Uh, that's definitely the, uh, the goal um, in the team. It's great, yeah, to hear, yeah. it's great to hear that. And I know our listeners, uh, Ben, are going to be obviously uh, very pumped up to hear such positive news, both from Sylvain and from yourself. And uh, just great that you could stop by and, and share this insight with us and our listeners to, to get that positive feeling again for, for mm-hmm. Bianca and, and the 2021 season. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's, uh, it's always nice to, to talk to uh, anybody who's a fan of tennis and loves uh, Bianca like we love her. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm really uh, hoping for uh, really great things for her in uh, 20, 20, 2021. And uh, we'll see. But we will continue doing our job as best as we can. Perfect. Uh, thanks so much again uh, for joining pleasure. us. And, uh, yeah, we uh, look wish you uh, the very best moving forward thank you very much it was nice to uh, talk to you guys there you have it our conversation with virginie tremblay and uh, i mean you spoke in the lead up about uh, maintaining like a positive attitude during obviously a brutal 2020 year where uh, not only you have a pandemic happening but for bianca as an athlete and as a professional not being able to compete in and play the sport that she loves and, and sitting on the sidelines. So uh, keeping that upbeat, positive attitude, I think is crucial um, in the team that surrounds her. And Virginie, I mean, we felt that positivity, I think, flow through, through the conversation. She's got just the, the right attitude, I think, to be working with Bianca through all of these challenges. And she's been there for the highs, and she's certainly been there now through the, uh, the lows that Bianca's gone through over the last year or so. And uh, I, I think her approach... Uh, I mean, she's she's chill and she's got the right sort of plan in place. And she realizes, Virginie, that you, you can't rush it. You can't just get back on the tennis court and start smacking forehands and backhands and, and serves that you've got to build up to it. And as she mentioned, it was a gradual progress the first seven, eight weeks that they were working together in Monaco as Bianca hadn't been on a tennis court, not, not just in weeks, but in months, as she shared with us. So um, I think Virginie's definitely got the, the right uh, attitude and the right plan for her. Uh, I did find her answer quite interesting when I kind of asked her point blank, hey, is this just bad luck? Or is there some sort of shift that needs to happen to make sure these sort of injuries don't keep happening with this regularity? And, uh, you know, she mentioned that's a tough, very tough question to answer. And uh, she did also provide some insight that, hey, she made that transition from junior to pro relatively quickly. And all of a sudden, with all the match wins that she had in successive tournaments, that's more wear and tear on her body than she'd ever had before. So, it's, uh, it's training like a pro and, and getting ready for that grueling schedule, especially if you're going to be someone successful like Bianca and, and have that many wins. Yeah, I think uh, Virginie and, and Sylvain also touched on that. Um, obviously, as a team, they have been racking their brains, I think, for a while trying to figure out why do we have, you know, this athlete who excels at the highest level is an unbelievable player 
but is so injury prone um, or has been in this past calendar year or so and, and in the past and uh, how can we kind of mitigate that and what are the causes? And certainly I'd have to agree one of the root causes is her body probably not being physically prepared for the, the grueling season that was 2019, just sustaining so many matches in succession that she had not uh, had ever in the past. And uh, with winning comes more matches, as we pointed out uh, with Virginie. Um, one of my favorite parts of the interview, though, was uh, you touched on it with your, your question about Virginie going uh, to Auckland with uh, Bianca. And uh, she was essentially serving not just as the fitness trainer, but as the coach um, and the uplifting spirit where we first saw the ultimate breakthrough of Bianca Andreescu. That was essentially the tournament that put her on the map. The very front end of 2019 wins over Wozniacki, Venus Williams, and, and making a final there was uh, simply incredible. And, and I don't think any trainer can just go out and do that and fill all those roles. Like, it takes a certain, a special kind of person, and you got to have the right qualities. And Virginia obviously has them because, and this isn't a knock against other trainers, but, you know, you fill a very specific role in the team you're not expected to be uh, the coach and the person that the player's leaning on and out there at changeovers, even talking in between games in a match. But that's what Virginie was doing in those moments. And you could tell what a close bond the two of them had. And uh, so, you know, kudos also to Tennis Canada for finding the right kind of people to, uh, to be able to step up and assume more of a role than they probably ever expected to be filling. And uh, it's just a great partnership to, to watch and, uh, and even at the Rogers Cup, you know, before the tournament started back in 2019, I saw the two of them and watched them for one of their sessions out on the court, on center court, just doing a bunch of juggling and hand-eye coordination and warm-up exercises. And there was a real spirit between them and a communication and, and a friendship that's obviously developed. And you don't always get that either with members of your team. So uh, Bianca's got a great crew around her. It was fantastic to talk to both Virginie and, and Sylvain and, and get some insight into not only what happened last year, but but what the plan is moving forward and uh, fingers crossed that, uh, that things uh, are able to pick up. And even if they're not quite as successful as where they left off, just to see her healthy back again will be a big giant step forward for her. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping uh, hearing from those two will be a, a major boost of optimism for a lot of Bianca Andreescu fans uh, in Canada and, and worldwide, just wondering where she's at mentally, physically going into the next season when we can see her on court again. Uh, all signs point to the Australian Open, for, so fingers crossed, as you said, uh, that it happens that we see her uh, healthy and, and back on the court again in 2021. I have full confidence that uh, we will see it happen. You're listening to Matchpoint Canada. I'm Ben Lewis. He's Mike McIntyre. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Matchpoint Can. We're also on Instagram, uh, Matchpoint Canada. We have to wrap with the uh, final event of the year, the end of year finals on the ATP side. Uh, we mentioned, unfortunately, we didn't get an end of year finals in in uh, the women's field, but uh, we did have the the top eight players in the men's field uh you know uh, congregate uh, in london for the final installment uh before they move to tour next year and probably not the result that a lot of people expected when you see uh, novak djokovic rafael nadal playing on opposite sides of the semifinals maybe a lot of people were prepared to see a big three showdown in the finals but uh simply another breakthrough for uh the newer generation of players that i think we've seen so many that I, I don't want to say it's a complete changing of the guard, but we're at a stage right now in men's tennis where I feel like any event we could have a, a different winner rather than the big three just completely dominating. 
Yeah, I absolutely love it. I mean, this is what I've been looking forward to is when you can finally have the big three, or in this case, you know, the world number one and number two, Djokovic and Nadal, getting pushed and in this case getting beaten by uh, the next generation that's coming up and having the two sides sort of meet on even ground and uh, and and where you don't know what the the outcome is going to be because you know the old veterans the the legends as you have it uh, still clearly have it and then some but the young guys have found their confidence and have found their wheels and believe in themselves and have the results to to put it together I mean Dominic team uh, is nine and three against the big three since 2019 so it's not like this was completely shocking and Medvedev and his ascension and rise um, you know, every time he's played, uh, Nadal gotten closer and closer and then finally got his first career victory over him here uh, at the Tour Championship. So uh, it, it, this is what we wanted to see was a tour with this kind of parity between the older guys and the younger guys, not having to see Rafa, Roger and Novak, you know, simply retire and say, OK, that's enough. Now you guys can have center mm-hmm. stage, but let's see them fight it out and let's see it battle it. And uh, and while, like you said, it's not um, a changing of the guard. Because, you know, the old guard is still very much uh, a very present factor at the top of the game. But seeing at least uh, some, uh, some back and forth between the two sides. And I think 2020 has really set us up now for 2021 to be a year where, yeah, maybe we're going to see a lot more back and forth, especially at the majors. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the uh, the million dollar question. Are are we going to see a, a complete change at majors? Of course, Dominic Team won the U.S. Open title, but uh, that was a title where we saw Novak Djokovic get himself defaulted, inadvertently hitting a lines person. So I think maybe still people told themselves, well, he only won it because of what uh, Djokovic did and and that mistake. But uh, he's proven himself on so many stages, on so many occasions. As you said, he's won nine of his last 12 against the big three. Daniel Medvedev uh, gets the breakthrough title at the ATP finals, and he's played like unbelievable hardcore tennis over the past two seasons now. I mean, he won the Paris Masters leading into this, uh, beating Zverev there in the final. And then you look at what he did through the summer hardcore swing last year, um, winning Cincinnati, finals of Montreal, finals of the u.s open sprinkling in a couple other atp 250 titles so so these guys are are here to stay and uh i don't think as you said i I don't think they're fearful of of matches against the big three anymore that's the difference with this generation um that that they don't shy away from facing one of these top three guys and uh they're they're capable of delivering medvedev he faced uh five four down in that second set nadal serving for the match and fights back wins that second set and takes over. So um, I'm, I'm hoping these are also compelling rivalries until we see eventually the big three hang it up. Yeah, and both of these guys, Medvedev and team, had to beat Nadal and Djokovic in order yes. to uh, progress to the finals, which is super impressive. And then to talk about Medvedev for a second, I mean, I thought he was done against Nadal. It looked like it was going to be a routine hour and 27 minute sort of, not routine, but, you know, relatively uh, straightforward victory for Nadal against Medvedev. And so for him to reverse things and come back against a guy like Nadal, who usually doesn't let a lead like that slip away, was incredible. And even in the finals, after team took uh, the opening set, you thought, and, and that's who I kind of felt like was, was going to take it, just given their U.S. Open match that was relatively recently. And again, Medvedev, the, the fight and the ability to get back in that match. And uh, so that was pretty fantastic to watch from that perspective. And I'm also excited now looking forward to not just seeing Nadal, and Djokovic pushed by these guys, but Roger Federer is coming back. And Roger Federer is coming back to a tour that the balance of power has definitely shifted or gotten closer together. It looks very different to me than 
than when he last played a match early on in, in 2020. And so it's going to be neat to see how you add him into this grand mix of things. And what's the top five going to look like a year from now? Um, and, and I think, you know, seeing one of these younger guys in the number one or number two position is not unfathomable, right? No, no, it's not. Um, I, I think we were going to make an argument probably if Dominic team had won this final over Daniil Medvedev, I think there would have been a, been a very reasonable argument to say he was the player of the year for 2020. You look at his Absolutely. season, Australian Open finals, um, winning his U.S. Open maiden, uh, maiden Grand Slam title, French Open, uh, he did fall in the quarterfinals, but still to, to have won the end of year finals with uh, wins over Djokovic. Um, Nadal, he had an excellent win of the round robin play as well. I, I think we're leading up to a 2021 Australian Open, which is maybe one of the more compelling events we've had there in a long time, uh, where probably Djokovic will be the odds on favorite going into that tournament. But you could see realistically, as you said with Federer back, maybe there are five players who could win that thing. We're going to get some awesome quarterfinal matches. I mean, it's going to be just fire from that point onwards. I feel like for sure you're going to get some pretty big tilts, um, especially with Federer being seated a little bit lower than what he's been accustomed to in recent years. Um, so, yeah, I've, I haven't been this excited about the men's tour in quite some time. Like, I've been a big proponent of the women's tour for the last couple of years, and I found that super compelling. And now I feel like the men's tour, I feel like, yeah, they're on even footing in terms of, for me, the appeal of both sides because it's less predictable. And while, yeah, it's great to say, hey, I, I grew up watching this ultimate generation of men's tennis players between the big three who've got all these incredible records and, and Grand Slam title counts. But uh, I, I want to see it a little bit more uh, open than that and a little bit more, uh, you know, back and forth. And like when we spoke to Jimmy Connors a while ago, he was saying he couldn't wait to see that next generation really push the big three. And, and we're seeing that now. So it's going uh, to be super fun to watch, I think, the next year or two. Um, you know, because I don't see the big three suddenly disappearing. And, and even Roger Federer, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. He's still uh, supremely talented, belonging in that upper echelon of players. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to having him reintroduced into the wild, so to speak, and, and see what happens. And, uh, you know, we've only got a couple months before we hopefully, um, you know, see that come to be. Yeah, it'll be uh, very compelling to watch. Can't wait. Uh, just... Uh... To go into some news and notes, I just want to note that I, I just came across the fact that uh, Canadian Felix Ogier-Aliassime, he has left Montreal and he's doing his training for the month of December at the uh, Rafael Nadal Academy down in Spain. So he will be training there, gearing up for the Australian Open. I think one of our Canadians, probably on our list, who might be a little bit disappointed with the way his 2020 campaign ended, his last stretch of months, probably not playing his best tennis, but uh He's definitely rearing to go and uh, will be training in Spain at obviously one of the premier academies in the world. Uh, so just came across that piece of news on Twitter from uh, Carol Bouchard. So uh, something to monitor there. And in terms of uh, Canadian tennis, you know, we should probably wrap up today mentioning once again, the uh, fantastic fundraising campaign that Tennis Canada is doing. That's so important and vital to them to uh, rebuild, you know, the tennis nation as they're hashtagging it. And, um, you know, maybe you can just speak a little bit more uh, for our listeners what, what that's about and, um, you know, encouraging you to support Tennis Canada to get back on its feet, financially speaking, so we can continue to develop these young players and have them come along and follow in the footsteps of Bianca, Felix, Dennis, and, uh, and all the other great athletes that we've been so fortunate to see, um, you know, rise in the tennis world over the past few years. 
Yes. Well, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, rebuild a tennis nation is the hashtag on Twitter. And it's an opportunity to essentially donate to a campaign that tennis Canada is running because, uh, they lost $17 million over 2020 missing out on a Rogers cup tournaments. And, uh, we were able to speak with Michael down the other week about this, but, uh, so generous of uh, Bianca Andrescu and Felix Ojeleasim, who I just mentioned, that they are matching all of the donations um, across the board. It's so huge as well, not just um, rebuilding from the grassroots, but also our high-performance programs. We don't want to lose any of the growth that we've seen uh, in this country for our sport. It's like been unbelievable, particularly our 2019. But we've highlighted the great season that was in 2020 from results-wise from Canadians when we did have tennis. So uh, we don't want to lose any of that momentum. Uh, we did lose the Rogers Cup tournaments, but uh, we are very, very prepared to have them back for 2021. Any type of donation uh, will make a difference. So uh, go to TennisCanada.com for all the details. Absolutely. And that, uh, that wraps the 2020 tennis season. We'll uh, have yeah. a couple more podcasts between now and the new year. But uh, essentially, uh, that, that wraps up all the live tennis action. We want to thank you so much for listening to us over the past few months during quarantine, during the, the, the initial stages of the pandemic and through the resumption of play. And we've definitely uh, appreciated the support and the interaction with you on uh, social media. Keep checking back. We're hoping to get a couple more good guests before the end of 2020. And I uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode with Sylvain Bruno, Virginie Tremblay, and we thank both of them for joining us, giving us some insight into what Bianca Andrescu is going through and, uh, and again, feeling that positivity um, moving towards 2021. Very well said. You've been listening to Matchpoint Canada. We will talk to you next time. Pushing down on me, pressing down on you, no man asked for under pressure.